0: You're listening to Monocle's House View, first broadcast on the 5th of December 2019 on Monocle 24.
1: This is Monocle's House View, coming up today. And of course, Russia has responded as the way Russia always does, saying oh, we know nothing about this.
0: An apparent targeted shooting and the expulsion of diplomats. My guests Tessa Shishkovitz and Stephen Diel will discuss this and the day's other news, including France protests about pensions. Why have they become an internationally hot topic, and will we ever really get to retire? And cinema trailers.
2: Pointless or pageantry? Plus... You'd imagine space to be pretty scant on the billion dollar sandbar Miami Beach the self-governing city island beyond Miami that plays host to both Art Basel and Design Miami each December Welcome to Miami, a dispatch from Art
0: Basel. I'm Andrew Muller Monocle's House View starts now Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Stephen Diel, the Russia analyst, and Tessa Shishkovitz, correspondent for Profile magazine. We'll start in Berlin, where the resident diplomatic community has been reduced by two Russian emissaries. Germany has sent them packing by way of delayed response to August's murder in a Berlin park of one Khan Kangoshvili, a retired Chechen warlord holding Georgian nationality. Germany's federal prosecutor declared that there was evidence that Mr Kangoshvili had been killed on behalf of Russian state agencies. Russia, as is customary, denies everything. Uh, Stephen, first of all, does this sound like something that Russia would get up to?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> um it, i i in my mind i have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that um Russian special services are behind this. I think the only question is, was it the uh, the FSB, the civilian um, inheritor of the legacy of the KGB, or was it the GRU, military intelligence? Um, I, I think that's the only question to to be answered. And of course, Russia has responded as the way Russia always does, saying, "Oh, we know nothing about this." Um, they they. It's almost as if they want you to, uh, uh, to to be afraid of Russia, and 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 it's their game. Um, Unfortunately Russians are well well schooled in telling lies um uh, if I can plug my own work, which Please. is on my website sdwriting dot org, there's um, there's a chapter on lies. It's, it's called Russia Collected Wisdom, and, and in the chapter on lies, I have quotations going back from the beginning of the 20th century, so even before Soviet times, um, saying that you know Rus- Russians tell lies. Um, you know, that we, we, then we think you know good good examples from the Soviet period, uh, Eastern Europe. I mean, Eastern Europe was taken over by the Soviet Union, and yet they all said, oh no, we, you know, we were invited in by communists. Um, we we uh, it, 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 it just goes on and on, and um, sadly, because that is very much President Putin's mindset, that has become the the way of the Russian state now. So, for example, they denied killing Alexander Litvinenko in London in two thousand and six. They denied poisoning Sergei Skripal in Salisbury uh, last year, twenty eighteen. Um, you know, we know that they did it, and there's all the evidence there. And and now we've got this uh, the tremendous work of Bellingcat. Um, which uh, using open sources um, but just doing you know some very thorough research um, they, they've tracked down that even said who it is and, 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 and why he's using a false name and so on um, There is no doubt that it was was the Russian state that was behind it.
0: Um, Tessa, if this was the Russian state, there are obvious echoes, uh, as as Stephen has mentioned, of the the, the poisonings of uh, the the Skripal and Litvinenko poisonings which have occurred here in the UK. Um, If Germany, for example, though, does think it's Russia, which has carried out a murder in the middle of the day in a well-known park in the middle of Berlin, isn't throwing out two minor diplomats a a pretty timid sanction?
3: Well, for Germany, it's already quite a strong response, as usually in Germany or in Austria, where the Russian secret services have a strong presence traditionally. The official... The authorities usually did not react very strongly to whatever went on in the circles among uh, former KGB agents and um, emigres, Russian or Chechens. And usually, the police, uh, the German police, does not react very quickly, or or prefers to silently let people leave the country in order not to get dragged into this conflict. To a certain extent you saw this here in the UK too because when Litvinenko was poisoned and died in front of all of our eyes um, in ho- in his hospital bed, it took years until Marina Litvinenko got uh, the, the British government to react and install an, a public inquiry into his death. So I think all European governments were rather careful for years to point the finger at the Kremlin and now because this Relations have soured so much. It's a little bit, you can't even pretend anymore not to see that something is going on where either the Kremlin itself or, you know, KGB circles that are slightly out of control, because that's what we don't know. Is this on behalf really of Vladimir Putin or is this sort of a KGB, FSB operation? Um, the fact that there is some state involvement uh, in it makes it just impossible for Germany not to say anything right now because that was just a too brazen attack in the middle of the day. And
1: and the only reason why, the, going back to the Litvinenko affair, the only reason why Maria Litvinenko's uh, efforts finally produced an inquiry was not because of her efforts, in fact. It was because the Russians had seized Crimea and invaded Ukraine, and, and suddenly European politicians, were, including British politicians, were saying, actually, that's, that, they've gone too far now. But because they wanted to try and maintain some sort of semblance of normality and good relations with Russia, that's why they kept putting it. It's outrageous, I think. I mean, you know, to, to wait eight years for an inquiry into something that was as serious as that, um, but that's what unfortunately that is to use the German term, realpolitik Just to follow that realpolitik
0: up Stephen, what is the argument against these relatively restrained reactions? Why would not a, a sort of functional orderly state like the United Kingdom or Germany not say to Russia, you cannot come over here and behave like that, pack up all your embassy and your ambassador and leave
1: There's a number of reasons um, First of all, and some people just find it impossible to believe even after things that russia done i think the more the more things that russia does like this uh, because it, it um, there have been another 12 or 14 uh, unexplained murders in britain and britain alone uh, since about 2000 which a lot of evidence suggests it was the russian state and and a lot of evidence suggests that the British authorities have covered them up in this desire to have better relations um, and it's only since 2014 that more questions have been asked about that so so there's that there are also those um, in uh, in government in high up circles, shall we say in in let's take britain as the example again um, who are suppressing information. Uh, At the moment, there is a dossier on Russian influence. Indeed. um, Which has been passed by the security services for publication, and it is sitting in Downing Street, and everyone is saying, look, there's an election coming up. Why isn't this being released? Uh, And it's not... That's a a
0: self-answering question.
1: (laughs) Indeed. And, and, um, you know, it one. Eventually, will it will it be published? You know, will it be simply buried? Um, it, the the longer it goes on not being published, the more people think, well, there is you know is obviously covering up something. So unfortunately, this is this has been the way of governments. That is not the way to deal with Russia. The way to deal with Russia is to stand up to them and say, you can't do this, and actually show strength. And it took Crimea to do to show a little bit of strength. So, for example, after Skripal. Um, not only Britain, but a number of countries that did expel significant numbers of Russian diplomats.
0: So it can be done. Tessa Shishkovitz and Stephen Diel will be back with more from you both in just a moment. But first, here is Monocle's Yolin Goffan with some of the other stories we're following today.
4: Thanks, Andrew. The most senior Democrat in the United States, Nancy Pelosi, says the House of Representatives will file impeachment charges against President Donald Trump. It comes a day after the House Judiciary Committee began considering potential charges against the Republican president. Israel's foreign ministry says it hopes the leader of the UK's main opposition party, Jeremy Corbyn, loses next week's general election. Mr. Corbyn has been forced to apologize this week for not doing enough to deal with allegations of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. And there are signs that Sri Lanka's tourism industry is beginning to recover from this year's Easter attacks. The opening of Palm, a contemporary hotel in the island's southern coast, is one of several new developments bringing about the revival. For more on this, head to monocle.com minute. Those are today's headlines. Back to you, Andrew.
0: Thank you, Yolene. This is Monocle's House View. I'm Andrew Muller here with Tessa Shushkovitz and Stephen Diel. Let's look now at France, where not a great deal is getting done today. The country is gripped by a national strike, remarkable even by French standards. At issue is pension reform, specifically that France's government wants to present French citizens of a certain age with the option of retiring later or taking a reduced stipend. France is, of course, far from alone in having to confront the economic reality of demographic change. State pension having been introduced at a time when people were expected to drop obligingly dead in their 60s rather than expecting to take a three-decade holiday at the state's expense. Um, Tessa, is there actually any way at all around this?
3: Yes, and in France it's uh, it's really very, very difficult because um, according to opinion polls... most people do agree that the system has to be changed. It's too expensive. That's uh, even a little bit more drastic than in other countries because they go uh, into uh, retirement at 62. That's just not any more feasible. I think that they they pay 17% of the GDP goes on paying pensions of the state budget. It's just too expensive. So people have to do something about it. I, what I find really difficult is, and it's the same here in the UK, where also the the, the women of the, f- the 1950s now get,
0: has become an election get slapped
3: issue. with, uh, you know, um, less pensions and longer working hours. If you are in the middle of your life, or even later, and you have worked for 30 years, and then you find out you're not getting what you expected. It's a really, really tough thing. So I think reforms for pension Systems that have to be done because people just become much older should also maybe seek to uh, introduce them, you know, for the generation after, and not necessarily for the people who are now sixty and just expected to go into retirement now. That, of course, is a is a big problem for governments to have to find the money to fund at the moment any of these uh, systems in france which what is uh, also uh, sensitive of course is that there were always huge demonstrations and this is a kind of old demonstration now because the unions are behind it. So this is what happened in France in previous years. Now, the question will be how the Gilets jaunes uh, movement Mm. uh, uh, goes into this strike that was organized by the unions, if this will be again one of these big tests for Macron, or if he actually has sort of this traditional uh, French confrontation between unions and um, Elysee Palace, if that will be easier for him to handle now before Christmas.
0: Um, Stephen, it's not just the fact that people are living much longer than they did when state pensions became a thing. They're also, by and large, uh, living much healthier um, and are staying active much longer. Is it not, therefore, the case that it would be perfectly reasonable to expect more people to work into their late 60s or 70s or even beyond?
1: It's reasonable on the one hand, and as someone who is getting close to uh, the pension age here, another few years to go, but um, <laughs> it's, it's you know it's it's on the horizon. Um, I, I think that the it, it's it's one of these things. If I may use a cliche, that uh, um, successive governments in a number of countries, including France and Britain, have kicked the can down the well, road. Because the, pro- the problem here <laughs> is as well,
0: isn't it, that pensioners vote. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, uh, I, mean, I, mean,
0: I mean, they turn out in a way they, that younger people tend not to.
1: Um, yes, they, that's been the case. We'll see next week in this country whether that's still the case. But um, uh, it, it, it's, you know, really, and it, hindsight is a wonderful thing, it should have started some years ago, and and as Tessa was saying, should should have been phased in. Um, you know, if, if, if I were a woman of 62, which is, you know, I'm a man of 62, if I were a woman of 62, uh, I would feel greatly aggrieved that um, some Suddenly, you know, I've been told that, oh, I'm not going to get my pension instead of at 60, it's going to be 66. Um, you know, that's 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 a significant chunk of, of, of time. In, that's in Britain, you know, it's six years to, to just suddenly mm. push it back. Um so yes it should have been phased in and you know they didn't do it Um, but I think the argument is that you know it should be announced that well you know this is what's going to happen over you you can't I think it's unfair on people who have been expecting they've been working 30, 40 years perhaps and suddenly being told you know you're going to have to do another six years Um, and as Tessa said you know the situation in France where they tend to be even more um, volatile shall we say um, they're asking for trouble well, they, they, they should have done this before and they should have phased it in
0: on that subject uh, of the the french volatility test do, do I, I guess when when foreign outlets report on french uh, demonstrations, which we which we do when they're as big as this one, do we often forget to uh, adjust for the Frenchness of it? That the fact that France demonstrates it's what it, it's what it does. There's always somebody demonstrating about something in France, and therefore, even a demonstration of this size might not be actually as significant as it would be if it happened in almost any other country.
3: Well, I think since last uh, fall, when the Gileadron not only blocked. The roads and everything, but it became really nasty. And in the center of Paris, people felt threatened. And, and so the, um, the quality of demonstration has changed last year, I would say. And that's why everyone really needs to look closely. Then also, don't forget, you know, if you look at the European Union right now, there's one country blocked down by Brexit and will probably leave. There's uh, Germany, which is going into the last stages of Angela Merkel's rule. So Emmanuel Macron is one of the, the last standing active and, and uh, the movers and shakers of the European Union. If he gets now again locked down in his LSA palace by uh, wild demonstrators uh, blocking his limousine from leaving, we will see what effect this has and if it really damages his presidency. His problem is that he came to power with a reformist program that people wanted him to implement, and they don't want that. Traditionally, people just don't want to be hit themselves in their own pockets. So it will be tremendously hard whatever happens for him to uh, get his programme through, but he needs to do it. You know, France needs reforms. No, There's no question about it. Uh, very
0: final quick thought uh, on the pensions thing, Stephen. As, as as it is, they are a universal benefit. This is what you get from the state when you reach that age. Does that need to have to be rethought? Should Is the state entitled to say to people who have done all right for themselves by retirement
1: age, you can look after yourself? That That's one way of looking at it. But of course, it's not, you know, you're saying you get it from the state, but, uh, you know, you've been contributing to it throughout your Indeed working life. So so. So, um, uh, you know, they, they can't simply say, well, you know, you, you've done nicely for yourself, you, you've earned a lot of money, you've got big savings, therefore you're not going to get anything. Um, you know, if you've been paying into it, then you deserve to get something back.
0: Okay, well, finally today to the new James Bond film, No Time to Die. It's not out until April, but by way of kicking off a season of hype, which might not make everyone sick of hearing about it before anyone has actually seen it, the trailer has been released. Here is some of it.
1: Name? Bond. James Bond.
0: Uh, Tessa, we started out uh, today's news panel by discussing something of the the squalid reality uh, of modern day espionage, i.e., the the whacking of a former Chechen rebel commander in a park in Berlin. So this is the the more picturesque idea of what people think espionage is supposed to be about. Um, are you looking forward to this? Are you a James Bond fan?
3: You're speaking to a woman. <laughs> you should be you know this is i i I really don't mind james Bond movies and I think daniel greg is a is a great James Bond and all this and nowadays there are no detective or espionage films anymore where the heroes are uh, people without psychological problems this is a thing that we see beyond James Bond everywhere and I think it's really nice but it also you know the hero status of James Bond is finished already for many years now I of course do think that James Bond should be a woman as God should be a woman this is just how uh, the 21st century should turn out to be so if the question is I I have really big Um, admiration and uh, trust also in Phoebe Waller Bridges um, Mm -hmm. ability to change um, the uh, rather old-fashioned macho script of James Bond movies to a more feminist um, approach. And as she has co-written now this new film since the last director left, uh, and everyone was quite frustrated because it just doesn't fit anymore in 2019, what they were planning to do, apparently. And so if that works or not, we will see. But the glimpse we saw of a possible uh, follower of James Bond in a female capacity, I think, is, uh, is quite interesting. I mean, I'm all for it.
0: I mean, I'm a big fan of the idea of a female James Bond in and of itself, and also, besides that, because of how much it will annoy the kind of people who will get annoyed by that kind of thing, <laughs> whose, whose rage and fury will be a picturesque d- delight to behold. Um, but, Stephen, I, I did want to talk about the idea of the cinematic trailer in this day and age, especially one appearing four damn months uh, before the film. I, I mean, I suppose we were talking about self-answering questions earlier. Here we are sitting talking about it, so it's it's done its job in that respect. But does the trailer actually help or hinder anyone's enjoyment of a film at this point? Do you end up feeling like you've already seen the film by the time you go to see it?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I've watched the trailer, um, and I thought it was well put together, and you never... Uh, it, it, trailers always leave me wondering, oh, you know, where does that come in the film? And And, and actually... Often encourage me to go and see the film. I will not go and see the film, however, because as far as I'm concerned, James Bond was Sean Connery, um, <laughs> and and, uh, uh, and I, the last James Bond film I watched was Skyfall, which I just found so totally unbelievable um, maybe it's because I'm it's probably my age sorry you, you, than, you found the Sean Connery ones believable oh that's it yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say maybe that's because you know then I was about 10 and um, uh, you know I, I mean I loved uh, Thunderball that remains my favorite but then that's because it's got the Vulcan bomber in it, and I think that's the greatest aircraft ever made um, but uh, I, yeah I mean they they've become so much or so much more unbelievable was just because the ages is, is you know the my age and, and both the age we're in is you know technology is so much further advanced they have to go further than 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 what is believable, I, I accept that. But um, uh, no, I just I mean I, it's just not a, a type of film that I enjoy anymore. So yeah, it was quite amusing to watch the trailer, and I do no, I, I think there's room for it. four months, as you say. I think that's you know the trailer could have come out mm, beginning of March perhaps um, uh, to to uh, to, to uh, be a taster. But um, no, yeah, seen the trailer, but that's not why I'm not going to watch the film. It's just I just. Got very bored with James Bond.
0: Tessa Shishkovitz and Stephen Dl, thank you both very much for joining us. In a moment, we'll hear a little bit more about Design Miami. You're listening to Monocle's House View. Do stay tuned. This is Monocle's House View. I'm Andrew Muller, and finally today, a dispatch
2: from our team over in Florida's pastel-hued design capital. You'd imagine space to be pretty scant on the billion-dollar sandbar Miami Beach, the self-governing city island beyond Miami that plays host to both Art Basel and Design Miami each December. But as the world's most important collectible design fair swung open its doors to VIPs and journalists this week, city mayor Dan Gelber was on hand to declare that the ground below the fair, which used to be a concrete car park, is to become a lush green space. It's a welcome addition to the island and a gesture of confidence in the fair, which will erect its tents on the grass of the new Pride Park each year. But while public space is welcomed, Design Miami is dealing with a threat that could wipe out this island in its entirety – climate change. Curatorial director Eric Chen has woven a narrative around rising sea levels into the programming at the event between stands highlighting both classic furniture and conceptual work from artists like Daniel Arsham, you'll find exhibitions pointing out the irreversible damage we're doing to the planet. With Miami emerging as a global design and art capital, and the city sat directly in the path of rising sea levels, we hope this marks the beginning of an ambition to use its creative nous to become a positive force in the debate around dealing with climate change. That's all for today's show. Monocle's
0: House View was produced by Augustin Machalari. Our studio managers were Steph Chungu and David Stevens. Coming up at twenty hundred, a brand new edition of The Urbanist. Monocle's House View returns at the same time tomorrow, 1800 London. I'm Andrew Muller. Thank you for listening.